Hi, and welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators, home to NARC Troopers. If you like today's episode, check out narctroopers.com, where you'll find many different resources to help you on your recovery from a cluster B disordered relationship. We're going to talk about that today. When you've lost more than you can bear, like, what do you do? How do you let go of that? Um, I think it's important to understand how you got here in the first place. Um, And I think it's important to keep everything in perspective about what it really is, what you need to do. Even though at this moment, maybe you feel like you cannot possibly uh, lose one more thing or let go of one more thing or release it. You've already lost so much. It's just... um, It's just too much. So I know there are a lot of people who suffer more than I do, obviously, and who have circumstances that are far more dire than mine. Loss is a part of life, right? And unfortunately, many of us know it too well. And to say, oh, all people have grief, all people have trauma, all people have loss, uh, I, maybe, but some people definitely have it more than others. Um, you know, for us who've been in these relationships, we've lost so many things. Um, and just this letting go of one more thing feels just like too much that we want to hold on to it, even if it's killing us. Um, it has been three years. Um, four almost, um, since my husband of 15 years discarded me, as most of you know, who've been listening. Um, and at the end of this narcissistic cycle of madness, um, it's clear to me that what appeared to be happiness and everything that I ever dreamed of was just merely, um, a shared fantasy, a mutual psychosis, and like an imaginary confabulation with a person who uh, is very sick with narcissistic personality disorder. Um, So that type of narcissism is so malignant and pathological that um, it's on the deep end of the spectrum and it interferes with a person's life and their functionality um, to be able to um, have a normal life. So, um, let's see, it is, it's, it's like a terrible disease that spreads like cancer and, um, it robs the person of their essential life force. It metastasizes around their spine and settles into their bones and devours their organs and turns their brains to mush. We know this, the narcissist's um, that's malignant, um, and pathological have very different brains from a neurotypical person. And so they're not capable of many of the things that we, we would like to think that they're capable of They're They are not. And I think we really need to wrap our minds around that idea. Um, you know, it's, it is, um, while they they can be smart and creative, right? Charming and charismatic, 
all of this kind of stuff, you know, but they are ravaged by this sickness and their feverish brains just don't work the way they should. I think it's a very cruel affliction and it's known um, in mental health circles that it is the hardest uh, thing to treat. It's untreatable, actually, and incurable. And anyone who says that that's not true, they're wrong. You can have therapy with someone over a long period of time who's nurse, who's a narcissist on the deep end of that spectrum. Uh, and you can teach them cognitive empathy, behavioral modification, things like that, so they can change their behaviors. But at the center of it all, they're still egodystonic. They're still empty, hollow people with no empathy, no remorse, no moral compass, none of those things that make us human. They don't have them. And they could spend the rest of their life in therapy, 30, 40 years in therapy, getting treatment, and they're never going to have those things. They may learn to act like they do better than they already fake it, which is pretty darn good, right? Uh, but they're, that, they're not going to come to life and experience those things the way that a neurotypical person does. Um, you know, I'm still surprised at how little I understood uh, about the man that I believed was my partner for life. He effectively absorbed my entire being um, and claimed it for his own. And that's what they do because they are empty inside and they have nothing of their own uh, that comes from the inside. So they have to take it externally from others. Um, at this point, I've written almost 250 stories uh, and articles for publications from Medium to Substack, Elephant and others like Quora. And um, I have made nearly 240 podcasts, I believe, on my podcast channel for people who don't have time to read and want to listen to these things in their car or while they're making dinner or something like that. Um, and I explain uh, this lethal phenomena um, and offer support for those who are suffering in the aftermath of this abuse. You know, I've, I've created hundreds of YouTube videos and Instagram reels and Pinterest postings and Quora responses and Reddit chat rooms and, and uh, Tumblr and TikToks and all the other postings for social media platforms. And you know why? Why did, why, why have I done that? <laughs> it's not like I don't have something better to do. I have a full-time job. I'm a teacher. Um, I have to, you know, live, have to feed my cat. I have to do some exercise, walk along the beach. I have to um, clean house and all that. And so why would I do all of this so much? Like just every week, new content. Well, it's because there's so much misinformation and disinformation that's out there about this disorder, about cluster B. And how do you know what to believe, what's real and what's not? One of the best sources that I have that I trust, even though, you know, nobody's perfect, right? Uh, but he wrote the book on it, literally, in 1995, his malignant self-love, Narcissism Revisited. Um, and he coined all of the terms. He invented the language, flying squirrels, Hoover, no contact, different categories of narcissists, different types, somatic and cerebral and all of it. He, you know, he built upon other 
a psychoanalyst and psychiatrist from, you know, back in the day, you know, the father of it all, Freud and Jung and all those people. But he wrote the first um, accessible book that has now come into the DSM manual for mental disorders and mental illness. And it's in there and it uses his language. So it has become mainstream accepted professional diagnostic ways of speaking about this illness. Um, so I keep it going with new content every week because there's such a need for it, for clarification. Um, and while I do my own research and I've taken classes on trauma intervention and PTSD, I've gotten cert certificates for uh, somatic trauma, uh, re like recovery techniques and things like that. I ha I've probably learned I don't know, half of everything that I know from Dr. Sam Beckman. So even if you don't like him, it doesn't matter whether you like him or not, or if you get his humor, or if, you know, if you think he's a bad person or whatever, it doesn't matter because he's an expert on this subject. And really that's what we're talking about. You know, it's like having a doctor. Would you rather have a doctor with a great bedside manner who doesn't know what he's doing to treat you and keep you alive? Or would you have rather have one that has a horrible bedside manner and is a real jerk, but he knows his business and he's going to do the right things to treat you? I think I'm going to take the latter. You know, I, I don't care if he's personable. I care that he's correct in his diagnosis and that he's effective with his treatment. And so um, it's the same kind of thing here. Um, so let's move on, shall we? Um, that's why I do this. It's just super important um, to clarify all of this. Um, I have witnessed the suffering and devastation and the despair and panic and the confusion and utter annihilation of a person's heart and soul and faith and hope and belief that everything is going to be okay. You know, I am consumed by the relentless autopsy of my own marriage in desperate hopes that if I can discern the cause of death, I can somehow make peace with it and help others not end up on that cadaver table as far as their relationships go. But I think if you have that relationship with a person with a cluster B disorder, it's doomed anyway. It doesn't really matter what you do or how great you are or what you whatever, it's never going to work long-term and it's never going to be real ever. You may sacrifice and compromise and settle for something less than healthy, but um, it's not going to ever be uh, a healthy thing. There's just so much misinformation out there and disinformation and bias, stigma, that prevents you from talking about it to people. It's like you see people's eyes glaze over when you start to bring up this subject. They don't want to hear it. They, they don't want to hear it. They're shaming uh, people who think they understand all this stuff about narcissists and they want to vilify them and deify or deify them and, or tame them or blame them or heal them or adopt them or whatever. Everybody's got like a different approach of what they want to do with the narcissist. And so much of it's misguided or simply wrong. And so we really can't um, allow ourselves to just believe everything we read. I've wondered what my life would be like post-narcissistic abuse if I did not have um, a voice to educate, inspire, and support. You know, I was a writer before this happened. I wrote 
educational articles, political articles, uh, essays, workbooks for English grammar, stuff like that. Nothing really too exciting. Um, cluster B disorder is way more exciting to write about than anything that I wrote about before. But I was already a writer, so I had that to use to give to take my voice out to the world and tell them what I knew, what what I know that has been a process to 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 educate myself to to learn what I know because it doesn't happen overnight, you know. Um, so uh, can I just release all of it and be okay? Uh, no, I I'm. Uh, you know, to let it gradually fade away and then just disappear. Um, I don't think so. I think that it's um, a process and that you have to choose to really take a hard look at the remains uh, to dissect it, open that cadaver of your marriage or relationship and excavate the bones of this sweet person who turned malignant uh, and did the horrible things to you. You know, it lives with me and all the bits and pieces of a union gone wrong are with me all the time. You know, it's stored in the trauma of my body, um, in my body and, and addicted my cells or have addiction, peptide addiction on a cellular level. Chemicals in my brain are dysregulated. The neurochemicals, the cult like brainwashing and enmeshment and entrainment that plucked me from my former former life and essentially murdered me all of that has a role and you need to understand it because it's complicated it's kind of hard but you really need to know what's going on what happened with you why you did it why they did it you need to know that it, it will help you tremendously if you don't know it then not understanding why you feel so overwhelmingly not okay is going to be really hard. So, um, you know, I realized that I was always broken and, um, from a pretty early age and was thirsty for love and hungry to be experienced as a human of value. Cause I didn't have that at my home. Um, and so here's the irony, the truly tragic thing about all of this is that although you know, people like me are cognitively deeply aware of what narcissistic personality disorder and cluster B uh, mental sickness entails. Although I understand exactly what needs to happen um, in order for, you know, to, to be okay. Um, you know, I, it, to reconcile that with my trauma in my body and my emotional self is um, very difficult even after four years uh, almost. Um, so although I broadcast uh, like a survivor, uh, a driver, um, in terms of strength and courage, I fall short. Um, and so I don't think we need to talk about examples. I understand how the AA 12 step program sponsors work. They champion someone through their efforts to maintain sobriety in a very fragile condition and how they, you know, they secretly fall off the wagon maybe themselves in the most tragic of ways. And they're afraid to tell anyone for this 
stigma of it all or something. But um, I think we have to tell. And I, I think that's part of being transparent and authentic, which is what is required here to be transparent and authentic. That's why my videos and podcasts are all unedited, raw, real, and just uh, I just put it out there, you know, sometimes with no makeup, <laughs> which I know you've seen that. It's like, yikes, that, you know, she doesn't look so great. Um, you get a little eyeliner. You don't have to put on anything else. You always got to have your eyeliner, right? Um, but, you know, it's hard to be in a safe place and to be a role model to others and a successful mentor in something where the people that you're coaching are trying to achieve some kind of sobriety from the narcissist or from alcoholism or drug addiction or whatever their drug of choice is. It's all dynamically <clears throat> structured sort of the same way. Um, and you're a mentor when you're in that position, but you know, you're not immune from having your own problems. There's just such shame and humiliation in failing to release this this thing, whatever it is that doesn't serve you, whether we're talking about alcohol or a person. And, um, you know, there is defeat and dismay in acknowledging that you are not strong enough to conquer the things that drag you down and try to drown you. And, you know, when you are a guide and a helper or a leader, or a coach, whatever you want to talk about, say, um, you know, it, it makes it that much harder. So how do, how do you move on after this life-changing loss that utterly destroys you? Um, you know, it is easy to get stuck. Um, there is actually mental health diagnosis called prolonged grief syndrome. And for a multitude of reasons, you simply can't put an end to the sadness and the longing and craving and depression and apathy, resignation, feelings of hopelessness, despair, all of it. You know, you've got it all. And, and you're stuck. Um, all you can imagine is to shuffle through um, your daily routines. You can't imagine like a future. You can't imagine like what happened. You can't be too reflective about the past because the future and the past are too much for you. So you just have to live in the now. And then you can't stay there because you do need at some point to figure out your next steps moving forward. And at some point you do need to look back and be reflective to make assessments about what just happened to you and make sure that it doesn't happen again. You have to will yourself to do the things that are, um, that you have to do to get through the day. And, um, some get stuck for years, if not decades, and their lives are ruled by their loss and, um, and their grief. They're defined by it. It's become more than just something they're experiencing. It's become their identity. And the grief becomes who they are. They also become victims and define themselves that way, which is very, very bad. Um, I tell people, you have been victimized by someone who is unwell, predatory, um, and ruthless in many ways. But um, you're not a victim because when you say, victim, you're claiming an identity in a sense that that's who you are. You're somebody that's been damaged because of a narcissistic abuse. Um, and I don't think that's the identity that any of us want. Um, 
you know, many mental health professionals will tell you to stop trying to repress or deny or suppress or avoid your feelings. They say it's healthier just to sit down and let them flow through you, experience them, bless them for making you more resilient, strong, or faithful, and then just let them go. That's what you're supposed to do when it comes, you know, all the negative feelings. And I think it's even more complex than that. I think the key lies buried deep within, and only through turning inward and facing the root of the trauma can one actually be free and healed. Hard work has to be done, guys. Layers must be peeled back like an onion. Uh, conversations had, journals written, tears shed, loneliness endured, childhood wounding addressed, fragmented attachment style examined, abandonment issues brought to the surface, toxic scripting rewritten, uh, feelings felt, and on and on. I could go on and on. You know, I like my list, my listicles. I think that's what they're called, list listicles. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Words are fun. I like words. Um, anyway, so I've got this big list of things, and um, essentially abandonment issues brought to the surface, things like that, toxic scripting, you know, this whole big long list. Um, you know, you need to have um, encouragement, self-encouragement. You need to have, have the strength and faith and courage to just move on and try to let some of that go, and then maybe, you know, Get yourself some ice cream when it's all over. <laughs> so the uh, layers of uh, complex trauma that make it easy to tumble down that rabbit hole in the first place with the narcissist, they need to be identified and addressed. We must practice gratitude and cultivate a forgiving spirit, forgiving the ones who destroyed us and forgiving ourselves too. Just overall forgiveness. Some people don't want to hear that. I, there was certainly a time when I didn't want to hear that, but you need to get to that place and remember that that's part of it. That's on the menu and you're going to have to, to eat it because <laughs> it's on the menu and you got to have it. Um, sure. It's easier to take the fall head first into the, I'm not talking about take the fall and take blame, but take tumbling down fall, like falling down. Ouch. Um, head first into the shared fantasy and then just live in this illusion as long as you can. It's all warm and fuzzy and it's fluffy and fun and it's sparkly and glittery and it's, you know, pretty, pretty nice. Um, you know, when you have a group of drug addicts in a room talking about their addiction, they actually get off to talking about their past highs. Just thinking about it gives them a rush. You know, they get this head rush just remembering it and telling about it. And it's kind of that way when you're talking about narcissists, you remember the power of, of that union and what you felt and how it was larger than life. And um, if you watch people's faces and their eyes when they talk about how it was in the shared fantasy, like, man, that's just, you know, it's like crack cocaine or something. It's like meth. It's addictive and it's powerful. 
Um, so warm and fuzzy though it may be, you're just, um, you know, the narcissist is just idealizing you and he's just going to ride the car till the wheels fall off and then he's going to bail on you. He's not going to stay with you after he wrecks the car. He's riding you too hard and you're not going to be able to <coughs> experience all that betrayal and all that stuff that they're going to do to you. You can't get through all of that and um, not lose some of your shininess. And then when you're not sparkly anymore, out you go to the garbage can. You know, we can make a choice to end the cycle of dysfunction and maladaptive behavior. <coughs> Invent a new 2.0 version of yourself. Learn to love and protect yourself no matter what. You know, you are the only person that you're never going to lose. Can you think about that for a second? You are the only person you will never lose. Everyone else, they're going to leave you one way or another. You know, your parents are going to get older and die. Your partners are going to leave for whatever reason. Um, but they will. Um, our children grow up and go away into the wide, wide world to live their lives. Uh, everybody goes. And we have to learn to be enough for ourselves. And then everything else will fall into place. You have to learn to manufacture that and to create it from the inside out. Nobody ever says it's easy, but, you know, I know it can be done. I've seen people do it. Let go of the image of the life that you had with this disordered person in the shared fantasy. I know that parts of it were super great. Just, oh, my gosh. But you can't spend a lot of time thinking about that. It's going to mess you up. You can't do it. Don't do it. Don't go there. Why? Because it was never real. It was never real. And um, you have to accept the loss. Learn to roll with the punches. Go with the flow. They can't do better. But I think we can. So that's my message today, troopers. I want you to keep trooping. I got an AI app. Can you all see this? I hold my notes here when I'm doing these talks with you. And I, I read my notes so that I know what it is I'm talking about. That's why sometimes I pause and it's like I forget what's going on. And since I don't edit these, this is just the raw version of me talking to you. Like we're having a cup of tea together. I don't have any tea, but I've got a bottle of water. This is not product placement. You don't know what kind of water it is. Wish I had a sponsor, but I don't. Anyway, yeah, this is AI. See how that doesn't even look like me. But uh, it's kind of cool to play with that. you got to find some hobbies, you know. Uh, distract yourself a little bit. Find things that fill you up instead of draining you dry. Anyway, much love. Hang in there. Things do get better. And um, don't be scared. Don't be sad. Or, you know, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes you should be scared. and <laughs> You should be sad. Uh, and just feel it. Name it. I'm feeling sad today. I'm feeling scared today. Yesterday, I had some anxiety. I don't know where it came from. And I said, wow, I'm feeling some anxiety. This kind of sucks. I'm going to sit down with this for a minute. And I picked up my cat. And we sat in the chair. And I just patted her. She was purring. And I was just, my anxiety kind of went down a notch. And then I was able to uh, 
get ready for bed, take a shower and do that kind of stuff. So you learn to figure out what to do when the emotions come and, and you need to just accept them, the feelings and let them go through you. Absolutely. That's good advice. So that's it for today, guys. I will see you soon. I hope you have a good week. Stay healthy and, um, yeah, I will talk to you soon. We're taking this journey together. I will be here for you all the way. Go to NARC Troopers, read some more articles, listen to some podcasts. You're going to learn a lot. I'm a teacher. It's my job. Okay, much love.